This is a piece by a guy named Larry Taunton. Larry who? Never heard of her. What sort of a man is he? Pick from Bama. A man like any other, but more so. Well, I thought he was dead. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Let's light this candle. Welcome in to the Larry Alex Taunton Show. I am your hostess, Amy Beth Shaver. I'm here with Larry Alex Taunton. Larry. How are you? I'm I'm fine. How are you? It's good. It already feels like a long day, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, big storms moving into the area. Um, you had to uh, you know, basically uh, come here in a Humvee yes. uh, today. And uh, you know, people might be able to hear the rumble you know, in the background. And uh, but enjoyed a lovely donut upstairs in our illustrious break room. Great yes. to see you. Glad the you're best here. break room in the business for Absolutely. sure. With donuts that are, you know, maybe or maybe not from a suspicious place. <laughs> We're still not sure. I fielded a phone call uh, from an adult child because of the storms. She reminded and not me. Donuts. <laughs> and not donuts. Uh, you know, I bet she'd be happier in the storm if she had donuts. Yeah. I should suggest that to her. But then she wisely uh, admonished me that that meant driving through the storm yeah. uh, to get buy donuts to my house. And I was like, you know what? You stay there. So we'll see how this all turns out. But um, thankful for donuts in the break room and good coffee because that makes everything better. It does. And if you're not from the American South, our storms here can be fierce. Yeah. They can be uh, really fierce. I'll never forget years ago and a neighbor, you know, when I was just a kid, uh, had moved um, to Alabama from, I, I want to say, Canada. And she said she wanted, you know, a, a warmer climate. And then our, during our first, you know, episode of, um, you know, of tornado warnings, you know, when the sirens are, are going off, she came and knocked on my parents' door and asked, you know, what she was to do. And my parents, of course, were very casual about it and said, well, you probably nothing. <laughs> oh, my word. And she said, if I had known, she said, does this happen often? And I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a few times a year. She said, if I had known this, I would never have moved here. She was terrified. She was absolutely terrified. Uh, we've become so used to these things that maybe we don't react the way we should. But anyway, so it should be a fun show. So exciting. We're talking about men. Yes, talking about men. Can't live with them, can't kill them. It's Raining Men. Do you remember that song? No, from I don't. the 80s? It was a jazzercise song. If you knew the song, I'd be worried. Who sings it? Some, Donna Summer, I think. Okay. Yeah, it was a great... She's hot stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was either Donna Summer or the like. I should look that up. You but know, she's dead now. When Yeah, she is not with us anymore. She I is like Donna Summer. singing beautiful songs, I'm sure, to the Lord. Um, the but it's raining men. On. And we're going to tackle that today. And I think it should be tackled. I think it was a great idea by you. Alpha male, beta male, what in the world is going on in the world, right? Yep. In the, uh, in the Western world, for sure, we have a real man problem. And um, so I'm looking forward to discussing that. So did you guys have a great holiday? We did. Um, you know, we did nothing. And for me, that's the very best because vacations during holidays can be exhausting. You know, where you 
you know, it's kind of like that old Norman Rockwell mm-hmm. painting where the family's going on vacation. They all look excited and when they're coming back. They, you know, in the car, they in the station wagon, they all look just completely shot. And when I say we did nothing, I don't mean we didn't host. You know, we had family here um, a lot. Um, the ladies in my family, they really know how to do it. They And, and I get to be that guy who gets to go through the kitchen and, you know, grabbing things as they're making them and, and watching the house being transformed into something beautiful. And my daughters-in-law, they, they make their own contributions that are wonderful. And we watch the Christmas movies and, um, you know, watching, uh, you know, our, our two grandchildren now watching them open the gifts and, and, uh, really excitedly enjoying all that. Although our youngest, she just likes the paper, yes. you know, mostly oh, yes. just, just, just having permission to tear things apart, but it's great. No, we had a, we had a, we had a wonderful, a wonderful vacation, watched lots of bowl games. How about you guys? The same, uh, watched a lot of Christmas movies. I think we wore lifetime out. We also enjoyed games, watching the games. Uh, kids were in and out, you know, we're at that age where one had to work on Christmas Day and couldn't fly home until that night. And another was home but had to go home the next day. And yeah. so there's a few hour overlap. And it's one of those things, you know, with adult kids, you're like, okay, Lord, I'll be grateful for this. This is all I've got. But it was great to see everybody. Chris was on call, so it was a little unusual, but we didn't have to go anywhere. And that was nice uh, on our part. And then we had our first grandbaby's Christmas. And even though she's too little to appreciate anything, we had fun um, just being able to hold her and see her on Christmas Day and watch their par- her parents open her, her <laughs> you know, gifts. You know, one of the, the most fun things I've decided at this stage of life um, is watching um, my children parent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get these wonderful moments. Yours are coming where you can say, you were just like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. You, you were just like that. You did that. Yes. And um, I, I think it's very funny. My son, Michael, his, uh, his, uh, he and uh, his wife, Camille, their, their eight-year-old daughter, Caroline, is she is the female version of him. And she's a typical first child. You yes. Know, very articulate, um, precocious. And very precise and rule following oh, about everything. Almost oh, never in trouble, yeah. you know, because she's always correcting me. You know, I'm filling up my car with gas, and because it was, it was, uh, this was back in the summer because it was, I think, a hundred degrees outside. I left the car running, and you know, so I'm filling it up with gas, and the window comes down in the back, and she says, "You're supposed to shut off." the car when you're putting gas in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then a couple of minutes later, it comes back down again. And I finally had to say to her, if I shut it off within about 30 seconds, you're going to be baking in there like a potato. Um, I don't think I'm going to shut it off. But anyway, yep, you'll uh, you'll get to enjoy those times. They're coming. What are your grandparent names? You know, we kind of let our children do that. We didn't choose names. I know that's a very Southern thing. I'm happy to just be grandpa. She's just happy to be grandma. Um, at this point, you know, sometimes particularly with the the youngest, it can come out, you right. know, as anything. In fact, when during a commercial break, I must show you a video that is so funny. 
I, we won't play it here, but it is uh, it is hilarious. How about you? Have you chosen names? Well, our names were chosen, uh, Honey and Doc. Okay. So there you go. Um, and yeah, So, but who knows if she can say it? Like, I don't even know if she'll be able to that say it. That sounds like a really, really shady movie right there. It so, does, uh, and I'm here for it. Honey and the Doc. <laughs> like something Smokey and the Bandit. I mean, it I don't even like know. It sounds like you were a, a mail-order bride. <laughs> and who knows if I if I wasn't. Um, okay, so with that, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about men. So stay tuned. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Larry is my favorite player. Well, here we are back in our illustrious uh, studio, and I just showed you that video offline. And um, it's pretty funny. And uh, unfortunately, we can't share it with our audience, but you will all you will all probably see it because it's just that good. But now it's time for the ABS moment, the Amy Beth Shaver automatic braking system moment where Amy Beth Shaver puts her foot on the brake hard, coming to a screeching halt over something in the culture that has her triggered. So what is it? Can you imagine waking up after general anesthesia and in the time you went to sleep at 9.30 till the time you woke up at 11.03? I know because I asked. Okay, so just that yep, length that of little, time. Little okay, just a little window of time. What, 93 minutes-ish? To be handed, you're not wearing a mask when you go in, but the nurse hands you a mask as you're blinking your eyes open, trying to remember where you are and what you're doing. And she says, the hospital has enacted a COVID policy while you're asleep. So we have to wear a mask again. Oh, wow. Uh, <clears throat> I was triggered. I mean, even then in your- Even in my groggy in, state. Where you still don't even know where you are. I don't know where I am. And all I know is I am <laughs> not putting this on over my nose because it does nothing. So- to be compliant and to be fair, I was under the influence of very strong drugs that didn't wear off until five o'clock yesterday afternoon. Not, I, not illicit drugs. Not we, illicit. We want to be, be clear on this. Administer in a hospital <laughs> setting, okay? I hate drugs. I don't ever take them unless I absolutely have to, and that is only Advil and Tylenol. But I put it over my ears and under my chin so that if some ding-dong came in to see if I was compliant, at least in the recovery room, I would pretend to be compliant. But she was not going up over my face. This was the only form of protest I knew. But I just wanted to remind people that with each new variant, there will come new thrills, new warnings, new dire predictions. Um, but three years in, we know the truth. We know that in over 100 years, with all of the mass sourcing and data that we have and working with some other physicians, there aren't conclusive studies. They don't do what they say they're going to do. And for a hospital to bring it back in the span, why were germs not an issue at minute 92, but at minute 93 of my waking <laughs> up, suddenly they were all about the room and they were going to get on me yeah. and on, on all the other people that I was back there with. Like yeah. somebody explain that to me. Let's be done with the nonsense. So this was a this was a red flag. This to a was a lie. Yeah. And I'm like, what? So somebody somebody 
seeing that you're waking up decided to do this just in, it was probably they're punking you somebody has a video and saying let's let's I just wish. trigger this lady i <laughs> wish because i thought do you know how i feel about this now, now i know the hospital you where you were and i was there yesterday as well for a very different reason uh, um, than than yours and yes it is hospital policy there they did make they do make you wear them and uh, i by and large you know just more or less refused um, to do that but i I understand. I, I'm sorry that I, I picked my time poorly, but management has handed down a requirement that on future episodes of the show we must wear a mask. <laughs> can we wear? Can we wear the kind of mask that we just write it saying this is useless? Yeah, this is pointless. Or my I, my you know patience has been tried and it's I have very, none. Very funny. I mean this mask. Whatever. You it know, got, if I had known this this that this was what you were going to say. I would have brought in. I don't know if people can hear it, but there's hail outside. Hail is it's hail outside. It's hail. <laughs> it's hailing man. It is. Uh, it that's that is uh, um, sleet or hail that's that's coming down right now and it hitting the uh, studio windows. If I had known that this was your segment, what I would have done is I would have brought in a mask. And uh, and and slid one over to you um, during well, well, during the you. show. If, if I had known, I, I, mean, I would have I been just, ready with a prop. Listen, sometimes the Lord just delivers the ABS moment, and and that was mine. And it's it a was a little shocking, uh, but I would just like to remind our friends, neighbors, wherever you are in the world. Uh, check out rationalground.com. They have wonderful information on masks. They have provided. Holy cow, it's very rainy outside. We're glad we're in here. Uh, they, I think all along during COVID, have had very functional, reasonable research sourced from around the world. Uh, if you want data, Chris had to have a conversation with a patient a few weeks ago. Your husband. My husband is a gastroenterologist, and somebody really wanted him to, wanted to know why he had no mask on. And he said, number one, it's 2023 essentially. Uh, masks don't work. They never worked. COVID's over. It's endemic. It's not a pandemic. We're done with this. And the person took their mask off. And that's what we all need to do when we are Good. confronted with that, because we're not going to continue anymore in policies that don't work or in worshiping the state um, by living through their dictums and mandates because they don't work. We, we struggle with this with our own health department, our state health department. I'm sure it's still going to be in effect across the country and across the world because people really still get jazzed up about different strains of corona. Um, but it is like a cold or the flu, depending on which one you get. But we're not going to live in fear. And I'm not, I, I visit my husband often at work. We like to have lunch dates. I'll go pick him up or we'll meet out somewhere. I'm not going to do it. I will not comply because this is for the physicians and nurses that are still there every day and across the country, really. This is still their life. Yeah. And so I just <clears throat> was reminded yesterday that this hasn't gone away, it won't go away easily. Um, but I was very triggered well, by the yellow mask she tried to have me I can cover my face with. I can tell. You're very mm -hmm. passionate on oh, this very subject. very passionate about you it. You are very passionate on this subject. Yes. And I get it. I leave the country tomorrow. I head to Europe. And I will be very interested to see what's going on over there where this is... Uh, where this is concerned. But interestingly, I got a text from uh, someone I'm meeting over there, and um, they said that that... 
you know, they're requiring it in a hospital. So it sounded like it was basically the same thing it is here. Right. I think most people realize this is political theater. Yes. It really is no more than that. It's it's not doing uh, much more uh, than that. But that's a great ABS segment. You're very passionate about it. Um, I know that in future, if I really want to set you off, I'm going to offer you a mask. I wish you would. I, next time you come, uh, <laughs> next time, next time you're you're coming to the studio, I'm going to have some uh, a little sign placed out front with a little hand sanitizer <laughs> <laughs> dispenser, That's my favorite, and uh, some ru- rubber gloves. Please, would you? And then signage that says, uh, "Please take a mask and rubber gloves." before entry. Okay. Um, and then we'll get that on video because I think that would be that would be fabulous. We're going to talk about men. Do you know anything about men? I, I know a thing or two about men. Uh, my first boyfriend, K5. I like wow. men. Wow. Yeah. You started I'm, early. I did. Uh, I, I'm Honey. not going to say... <laughs> I'm not going to say his name because he's probably still somewhere within earshot. Um, But yeah, I I think dudes are great. Yeah. um, Always have, but we're definitely in a man crisis. Well, here is what what got me onto this and prompted me to write this article because we have a, you know, we have in the Bible, we have, you know, King David when he's dying, his, among his final instructions, to Solomon, are, uh, are, are is, is this line, show thyself a man. Mm. Show thyself a man. Be a man. And there's no effort to define the meaning of that. And it's because it's just assumed. And by the way, rightly so, I think. It's just assumed what that means. You know, when somebody says man up or be a man, I think, I think most men, not all, but I think most men know what is uh, what is meant by that. And I think the word man is an elusive word, but I think we know well enough what it means and we know it when we see it. Mm-hmm. And yet, on today's show, I think we need to spend a little bit of time talking about this because in the broader culture, there's an effort to redefine everything. I mean, yes. this is not new. We're not breaking any news right. here and saying that there are men who say that they're that they're women. Now, our roles are reversible. I I can be a woman like you, and you could be a man like me. Um, a, a efforts to redefine beauty, as we were we were um, you know looking at uh, earlier. Um, the left tells you that what is up is up, and excuse me, what is up is down, and what is down is up. So there's there's this effort to redefine everything. So we're going to talk about what manhood, authentic manhood looks like. So stick around. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We want to thank you for your support, but we do have a question. Yes. Would you consider supporting the work of Fixed Point Foundation, which is what pays for this show, Amy Beth? It is. And we would like for you to go to LarryAlexTaunton.com and find the donate button and consider, if you would, donating and showing your support. Yes, you can do it a variety of ways. You can do it by check. You can do it by Stripe. You can do it by PayPal. You can do it by stock transfer. Everything we do on this show, Amy Beth, right down to the donuts and coffee, is made possible by people who listen and watch this show. And by golly, we need their help. We do. And we thank you for it. Welcome back. (laughs) Yes, it is, Larry. (laughs) My hair is fuller. It's called The Weather. And uh, stubbornness. I thought it was, you know, blow drying. Also blow drying. 
There also, we go. also, we forget that we have quite the curl underneath this head of hair. So uh, that I'm uh, your hair, uh, producer Matt, is fabulous. It's just fabulous. Um, all right, so it's raining men. But what kind of man? And what kind of crisis are we in? Well, I think the crisis, it, listen, we can point to an awful lot of things that are wrong in the culture. This is the root of the problem. This is the root of the problem. And ultimately, it is that we as a culture have weighed anchor from the absolute, from a biblical mm -hmm. worldview. But as we've discussed um, on a show that we devoted exclusively to Romans 1, part of what happens with that is that Romans 1 uh, verses 18 through 32, they they give you a picture of, you know, God gave them up, God gave them up, mm -hmm. God gave them up. It's mentioned three times. And that each one of them is a is a further step towards <clears throat> towards Gomorrah, towards Sodom, towards uh the absurd, you know, where you begin to say things like a man can be a woman and a woman could be a man. But uh, what is what is lost in 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 that is everything. You you can no longer really orient anything. And um, we've talked uh, before about the transgender issue, but this time we're not really talking about you know transgenderism as such. We're just talking about men who don't really understand what it means to be a man. And I want to be clear, lest I be accused of it. I'm not holding myself up as that model. You should all be just like me because by golly, I'm manly. That's not, that's not my point in saying this. Jesus Christ is our model. But even that is hard to point people to because the Jesus that we see too often being preached in the church is a girly Jesus. It's yes. a feminized Jesus. When you feminize men... Uh, men preach a feminized Jesus. And the Jesus that I see in Scripture, uh, yes, he was caring, he was nurturing, he was loving. There's a lot of emphasis these days on those characteristics of Jesus that we tend to associate with the feminine. Mm -hmm. um, but he was also courageous. Uh, he was also a man of duty. He was also a man of responsibility. He was also a man who was willing to put his life, lay his life down quite literally um, for others. And, you know, the, the, the Jesus I see in Scripture is often quite combative. You know, he's, he's a man's man. But even terminology like that, Amy Beth, now people say, well, a man's man, that's just code, as one woman said to me on uh, Twitter. That's just code for toxic masculinity. Mm. Well, no, it's not code for toxic masculinity. It's a man's way of saying, I like that guy because... He's a man because he's a regular guy. So we're not talking about necessarily, you know, a John Wayne figure or, you know, uh, you know, a Clint Eastwood, you know, figure from one of those old westerns. We're just talking about a regular guy who is comfortable in his own skin as a man mm -hmm. and who assumes responsibility for himself for those who are in his care for his own mistakes. Mm -hmm. He mans up in other words. So this is what we're talking about because I, I feel that that with the loss of the absolute, with the loss of an anchor in biblical principles, that we we have a crisis of masculinity, not just in America. It's worse in Europe. Mm 
It's it's far worse in in Europe. It's it began hitting you know the shores here in a very big way just in the last five years. Yeah. I mean it's been coming for. I mean, how long have men been, you know, characterized? You know, we could go back to, you know, Bewitched and I Dream of Genie and Everybody Loves Raymond and so on, where the male figure is always an idiot. Yes. And his wife is twice as smart mm-hmm. and far more responsible. And he's like a child. You know, so that's yeah. been going on um, for a very long time. But now the acids of cynicism have attacked masculinity in such a way that that even... Characters like that, that, that's almost quaint. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're talking about individuals who, who are afraid to be men um, because, you know, if you go online and you post a picture from your latest hunting trip, you'll surely be attacked as a toxic man. For so sure. I think it's led to, to everything that's happening in our culture because we don't have men, real men, to sta- step into the gap and say, no, no, we're not doing this. When do you think, specifically staying with the church for a moment, when do you think the church began preaching and feminizing Jesus? Oh, boy, that's an interesting question. And by the way, so that people who are watching and listening know, we don't plan our conversations. You know, yeah. so we we talk, you know, ahead of time in the illustrious break room. We talk about what the show is going to be and right. we text, you know, back and forth, sharing emails, ideas. Uh, throughout the week leading up to to something, but we don't have canned questions. Right. And I say this because my answer is not very good <laughs> to your to your question. Um, I I think it's been going on. What exactly started it? I don't know, but I think of my own father. Mm-hmm. Just to use him as an example, my own father, at least until his deathbed, was not a believer. Now, my father had a respect. For the, I mean, it was important to him that I go to church. Yeah, my father would tell me every time, every night when I was a little boy, uh, he'd pop his head in uh, uh, my room to check on me before he went to bed, and he said, "Did you say your prayers?" You know, mm. but my father himself was not a Christian. He did not go to church, and I think of most of the pastors that my father knew, he felt fairly contemptuous of, and I don't mean he treated them contemptuously, um, but he didn't find them very manly, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, to, again, to put that into some context, my father was a career soldier. You know, my father was in special forces. My father had, uh, you know, he, he was born on a farm and was, was, I, I was raised very much in, in the culture of very masculine men mm-hmm. who were quite literally killers of men. Yeah. Um, and I, I can picture my father sitting with say a youthful pastor whose own life had been one of, let's say, a Christian school, uh, a Christian college, and then seminary, and then into the pastorate, he can't even begin to identify with my own father's life. He's never worked with his hands. He's never had to fight for something. And guys like that came off to my dad as, uh, as not peers. Yeah. And the one... Well, there, there, there was there were maybe a couple of others, but one in particular that I think of that my father liked a lot. It was a man of his own generation. Mm. My father could not tell a dirty joke that he had not heard. Oh wow! Okay, he was a man who had again of my my father's gener- a little older, maybe even maybe even probably a little ten years older than my dad, but he'd grown up in rural Alabama. He had uh, worked the railroad. He had you know. 
the kind of hands you could strike a match off of. Um, you know, calloused, mm-hmm. uh, rough hands. He was a man who liked in his spare time, he enjoyed, you know, collecting old classic automobiles and reworking them. And um, and he liked guys like my dad. He could get along yeah. well with um, with them. His sermons were kind of rough. Yeah, he had gone to um, to college on a GI Bill, and uh, he was a guy that my father could could relate to, and my father couldn't shock him. Mm. But, you yeah, know, some, yeah. Sometimes a guy like that likes to. My dad would like to sort of shock with his language and maybe with a joke. Little Christopher Hitchens like in uh in in that regard. This guy could come right back with a joke of his own. Okay. And um you understand what yes, I'm saying I do. that that he respected him. He respected him as a man. He, yeah. he respected him as a man and he could listen uh, not always agree with and argue with him, but he didn't feel like he was going to break him, you know, like, yeah. like he was a, a piece of China. Yes. He could argue with him and push back on him. And, um, and this guy who we, you know, his nickname was preach. Everyone called him preach. Everyone joked with, with, with preach. Um, and, um, my dad could, you know, could, could play rough with him and he could chuckle it off and come right back. And uh, so I don't know exactly when it began, but I think somewhere along the way, a generation, maybe a couple of generations ago, the church began attracting into the priesthood, as it were, beta males. And alpha males weren't going in that in that direction. In fact, there's been a very interesting book written by, and suddenly I can't remember his first name, um, Murrow. Is his last name? Is it David Murrow? But the book is called Why Men Hate to Go to Church. You've mentioned that before. Okay. I want to read that. Well, wait, let's let let me let me interview you for a second. I don't you don't have to tell stories on Chris. Um you don't have to name names, but does what I'm saying resonate would would Absolutely. that be resonate with the males that you know? Generally speaking. It would <laughs> because I think backing up and taking um Taking wisdom from Scripture, if you look at Jesus and the people he hung out with, speaking of your father, nothing shocked Jesus. Mm-mm. People were shocked that Jesus hung out with the taxpayers, the gluttons, the wine bibbers, the sinners. Like, imagine that. And, and fishermen. And fishermen. With, uh, a hard and labor. Shepherds. The people that nobody really, all the, you know, executives of society were like, oh, Jesus. You know, and the rest of the people are like, thank God, somebody yeah. is, we can relate to, even though he was holy other. Or you look at the men in the Bible and you look, for example, the Old Testament at Job or Moses or Abraham at Isaac, even though he was a wily character. Uh, You look at the New Testament and you look at the disciples. They were men and they were about adventure. And I think wanting to be able to relate to your pastor, because there are times when you're with a pastor and you think, have they... Like their nails are so pretty. Have they done anything hard? <laughs> Even if they're an amazing yeah. preacher of the gospel. And I think that's the thing that is missing in the culture. And I think that we would very much, the men in my house would resonate with that, men that I know. Now, we have a pastor in our family, and he is amazing. And he is a man's man, but he's also sensitive as well. And I think those are the parts of the Bible that we miss out on is that Jesus was all of those things. Yeah. And then the men in the Bible were both manly and sensitive. King David was both. And that... Well, he was he was a poet. I mean, he was, he was amazing. Musician, so, I mean, he was yes. all the things. And so we've tried to divorce manhood from all of those things, but you can be all of that. And yeah. that's missing from culture. But I think that definitely resonates that you want somebody... It seems to me as a man, I would want somebody... 
that I could relate to and I could not be afraid of breaking or offending because they've been around people so much. They know the heart of man. They believe what the Bible says about the heart of man, that it's deceptively wicked, and nothing surprises them. And so they know, though, that the Word of God is enough for them when they preach and open His mouth, but He's not so removed from culture that uh, He's not surprised. Well, I'm I'm sorry. No, so, yeah. You are a mother of um, daughters as well, so just... Just thinking on this just a little bit from a feminine perspective um, before you know we go to break in a couple of minutes. Um, what advice, or maybe you didn't, but was there advice that you gave to your girls about what they're looking for in a man? Yes. You have um, one that's married, one that's not. Yeah, um, and, and I think one of the things, our son-in-law is amazing, and and he fits well in with his our family and his parents did a very good job. He's a manly man. He hunts. Uh, he works with his hands. He is smart. He is capable. And he's everything that we could have hoped for in a husband for our oldest daughter and pray for uh, for our girls, our, our 22-year-old and our 16-year-old in the future. But I told them to marry somebody like your father, who is both. He is a Renaissance man. He is strong. He is mighty. Yes, he's the tallest person in the room, and I take great delight in that. On our first date, I was like, I thought only these people lived on TV. Like, I didn't know these big people were in the tribe of Anak. He's huge. (laughs) He's huge. And I was very proud of that. Um, But but he, he carries it well. He doesn't lord his masculinity over people because I think if people possess a trait and it's in them, they don't have to let you know it's yeah, there. Yeah, of course. Um, which is a beautiful confidence. I think I just and I never really dated anybody conceited. That would be the least last thing that I would ever want for them. But marry somebody like your dad, who is a man's man, but also will go help me find. Um, Face facial products, or is just as happy to help me pick out shampoo or take me shopping because he knows I like this. He I, has I, his own opinion. I mean, I gotta say, I'm not that guy. I mean, he's awesome. <laughs> like the the stuff that he bought me for Christmas. Like, how do you know? Like my boots. Girls will stop me and go, how, how? And I'm like, I don't know. My husband just knows. But he's all the things. And so when when the girls were coming along, I'm like, marry a guy like your dad. He's he respects your intellect. He respects you as a woman. He has to work with women every day, um, but he doesn't lose his sense of masculinity or who he is in Christ. Well, um, when we come back in just a minute, let's talk about the characteristics you know, of manhood, what that looks like. Is it just an external thing or is it more than that? Right, stay tuned. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Welcome back. So characteristics. Well, it was interesting. I did my own a little informal poll of men and women, black and white, people who don't know me and didn't even know why I was asking the question. I, I just tried to approach it as though, you know, I just read a newspaper article or something like that. So I just, in a, in a couple of different contexts where I see somebody sitting, uh, you know, maybe a couple talking, I say, excuse me for just a moment, um, but can I get your reaction to this? What do you think of when you hear the term alpha male? Um, I was prepared for people to say because it's so much a part of, you know, the, the culture 
the 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 leftist social engineers they have worked very hard um, to change our language on a great many things. You can't say China virus; you have to say COVID. You uh, can no longer say man; you have to say cisgender, you know, or something, or heterosexual cisgender, you know, whatever. You you all these kinds of weird things. Um, well, certainly one of them has to do with masculinity and manhood. If you uh, even if you were trying to say it. You know, you you you're thinking you want to speak of manhood, uh, but you you're afraid to use the term alpha male because alpha male is you know you'll be called toxic if you let's see if I say traditional male, that will be called toxic too. So this is just where we are. But when I asked people this, um, the the words I kept hearing over and over again, which I thought were very interesting, <clears throat> were um, confidence. Hmm. Which you just used uh, uh, before the break, and responsibility. So again, what we're talking about here, and I think we're on the same page with this, is we're not saying that you have to be a brute. We're not That's saying right. that you have to be a uh, Sylvester Stallone character or a John Wayne character. Uh, we're not even saying that um, what I'll call the trappings of masculinity. You know, the way you dress or the things you do, you know, are you a hunter? Um, you know, do you go and, you know, kill something and eat it raw? <laughs> you know, or are you all into uh, auto mechanics? All those kinds of things. We're not saying, I mean, there are plenty of manly guys that I know who don't know anything about sports. Right. They're, they're not particularly interested um, in sport. John Lennox, I'll just use John Lennox as an example. John Lennox is a manly guy. Yeah. I mean, he's just a, just a normal guy. John Lennox cares nothing for any sport that I know of. I don't think I could get him into a sports grill. I think he would have zero interest in that. He's bookish. I mean, come on, he has three PhDs. Of course he's bookish. Uh, he does not fit that mm -hmm. those traditional models when we're talking about uh, I, I tweeted a picture of him the other day taking him for a boat ride around the lake. And, that was you know, great. Well, you know what cracked me up about that photo was I said, we're going for a ride on the lake. He wears dress slacks and a button-down shirt, and he has this big camera around his neck like we're going to see the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm wearing... I'm wearing Boat shorts. Clothes. Exactly. I'm wearing a swimsuit, shorts, something like that, a an old t-shirt, and sandals. And there he is, and it's, you know, 90 degrees outside, and he's a typical Brit. I mean, yeah. he could have worn a sports coat with what he was wearing. Right. I mean, he was dressed the way I'm dressed right now, except you know, with dress slacks. So in a sense, he doesn't fit those, but he's right. a manly guy. So yeah. I want to be clear, we're not telling you, and, and what is actually kind of sad is there are many insecure males because they've kind of been beaten up on, you know, by other guys, For in sure. some case, maybe literally, who say to them, you know, um, you know, that they're 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 not manly or something. I've I've known plenty of guys who attempt to take up things that are not natural to them. Yeah. I'll never forget when I, I played, you know, football in high school, football being what it is in the state of Alabama. I, I, I can't remember the numbers that the, the state would allow, but let's just say the state would allow you to have 60 players on your team. And there might be 120 boys, you know, who would try out for the football team. And you would see guys out there that you would be thinking, and I mean, I felt this even in high school, compassion for 
you have no business being on this field. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get trucked. And not only that, but there are going to be guys here who are going to enjoy doing that. To right. You because you're a little geekish and you're, but, but they wanted to be able to say that they were on the team and they maybe even didn't care about the sport, but they'd almost been harassed into it. Mm. Or you see guys who are, you know, maybe attempting to take up quote unquote manly pursuits in order to, in interest in guns or something in order to, in order to look that way. That said, I don't think you could say that the trappings of manhood are irrelevant either. I mean, would you say that? No, I would agree with that. I don't think they're irrelevant. I think it points to who a person is, uh, what they enjoy. But yeah, that's a that's a very good way. That's a very good way to put it. Um, because I know people the same that have no interest in sports, but they're extremely manly. Yeah. You know, you can't say that. But then there are other things that they do do. And that does point to who they are. And um, I don't know, I hate for men that being who you are in society has been discounted, even though you can't really. They're trying to do their level best to tear it down. I remember when the phrase toxic masculinity came out and I'm like, what? How what long does that, that been now? Wouldn't you say it's been at least five years, maybe 10? Oh, I'd say at least a decade. I mean, it, yeah. it's been a while since you've heard the term toxic masculinity and people being made to apologize yeah. for who they are. Yeah. Uh, but then I think when we understand Scripture as a believer and what God is saying and the men and women in the Bible, specifically men, that we can find out about the character of God, we can find out about different men and their character and what they were like and take... Um, take direction from that. But I don't like that, for example, when we were, our kids were growing up, our son was known to get in a few scraps. And Chris told him, if you're bullied, you may be the biggest one, but if people won't leave you alone and you need to show them who's boss, feel free. I'll stand with you every time. And one time that meant uh, we had to repair somebody's wall. Um, another time that meant that, you know, even when he was very little, People would try to climb on him because I thought he was a jungle gym, and that's like not appropriate. But Chris said, don't shirk away from that. Don't shrink back from who you are, who God's made you to be. And I feel like moms coming along, and I'm noticing this with younger boys, are just, they are, I'm seeing that feminization in them. Yeah. Or you're seeing in these, I don't even know what the generation in the 20s and 30s, what are they, is that generation millennials? Um, and that would probably still be a Z. Oh, I think we, would, I don't I think even we know. refer to them as the greatest generation. You know, yeah, whoever so. they are, I, you know, you do see a feminization going on. And in college, you see men that look very different than when we were coming along. Yeah. Um, well, I even think, you know, and I'm just a little bit older than 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 you. Uh, um, but I remember um, that I had in in high school some, a lot of our coaches were World War II still, you know, they were old. Yeah. But one of my favorite history teachers in high school, he had been a translator at the Nuremberg Trials. You know what I mean? That was, I just was riveted by that. He was in his 60s when I had him. Wow. But, but we still had, you know, coaches who'd been in Korea, um, who had been in uh, in World War II. And uh, interestingly enough, the way, you know, of football practices and such went, it was, it was kind of, a miniature version of military training. Mm. And so I think about now the kinds of things they did that I never felt abused. Um, and maybe some of the people here listening, you know, will think I was, 
But, you know, a coach might knock you down. I mean, he might come yeah. and knock you down and stand over you and call you all kinds of names. And then you would get up and you would, you would you, when your back was turned to him, you look at your buddies and you'd start busting out laughing. <laughs> but you see, it's anybody who would think that that was abuse, I'm wearing body armor, meaning I'm, I'm, I'm at football practice. I have a helmet on, I have right. pads on. And if you can't handle getting popped and shoved and knocked down, what are you going to do when a 250, 300-pound right. guy... You know, hits you, meaning it's a violent sport and they're preparing you for the violence. And they're, you could say that they're misguided and we just lost a little bit of power here, but I think we can still keep going. Um, if we get hit by a tornado, we will have it on film <laughs> and it will go viral and our show will be extremely popular. But anyway, um, you know, it was different. Yeah. And yet I would say that they, those, that was a generation that taught you how to be men. Yes. And where there was a certain expectation, um, and that it was, you know, iron fist on the on the one hand, and a pat on the back on the other, and a uh, an encouraging word. I'm not saying that it has to be like that. I am, but I am saying that what constitutes manhood should be obvious to almost mm -hmm. all of us. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think that's lost. And I feel as a guy who's in his mid fifties. That increasingly, again, I think we're okay. We're just going to keep moving along. Um, that I increasingly feel when I'm dealing with younger men mm -hmm. these days, and it, this is not me trying to dump on, right. you know, Gen Zers and millennials. I often feel like I'm, you know, bruising them, mm -hmm. and and it's because they are not used to being spoken to directly, plainly. And I'm not talking about shouting at them. I'm not even talking about being rude. I just mean telling them the truth. Yes. Or you're talking to someone. I think of a conversation with someone, uh, a student who was was in this kind of, I don't know, kind of Peter Pan um, Neverland world. And here he is, uh, you know, an adult preparing for life and saying that he could be anything he wants to be. And I said, no, you can't. You can't be anything you want to be. I, he took that as me trying to break his dreams and yeah. break his heart. And it looked like he's going to cry. And I and I said, "We're you're limited by your ability. I mean, I don't know what your GPA is, but you can't go to medical school if you don't have the grades for it. If you don't do well on the MCAT, uh, you can't be an artist if you don't have artistic skill. Mm. You can't be a concert pianist if you don't have that training. And I was just using these as, as examples. You are limited by your, your ability. And I said, when I was in high school, I'm an Alabama fan, but I wanted to run like Bo Jackson. Yes. In those days, I was tall, I was skinny, and you could have fed me pasta for every meal in my, my um, what am I trying to say, uh, metabolism. Yeah. My metabolism was such that I almost couldn't gain a pound. Um, I I graduated high school, I think, weighing I was 6'3 and weighed maybe 175. Oh, wow. And I remember one of my coaches saying, you know, you, 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 you know, you'd have possibilities if we could have put about 40 pounds on you. <laughs> wow. But I was never going to put on those 40, not at that stage of right. my life. I just right. couldn't do that. Bo Jackson was, you know, 230 and ran like a deer. He was ran a 4340. It's unreal. My best 40 was probably a five flat. <laughs> yeah. Me, I was going to come in a mile behind, but 
I couldn't just say I'm going to be that because I'm going to I can be anything I want to be. Yeah. No, you can't. And so here I am telling this young man this, and he looks like he's about to burst into tears. And I'd love to tell you that that is an anomaly. It is not mm. with this generation. Yeah. And it's because no one really seems to want to tell them the truth. I mean, do you experience, do you see that? I do see that. And I'm listening and I'm considering that the coaches that my husband had in his life, when his father passed away, the first people there were his high school and college coaches. Those were the first phone calls that we got, the first visitors that we had. And I'm thinking of our son right now, and I'm thinking of how valuable being coached by men to be men. Yeah. I mean, because that's what's really happening. I think there's value in sport because they may not hear what you're saying in the rest of their life, but when they get on that court and it is brutal and you're having to run and run and run for hours and getting you know yelled at and chewed on, this is what is making them men. And sometimes that's the only space that they're learning how if they don't have a father who's training them that way, or they may not be in a school or coming from a school that taught them anything about this, they're learning for sure right now. Yeah. If you're playing on the, you know, in football or lacrosse or basketball or soccer, whatever it is. And so there's value, I think, in sports because you're right, it's missing that element of truth is missing. They're not getting taught in the classroom. In churches too often, it's very soft and sweet. They don't know of what's actually in Scripture, that there's no apathy there. Well, boy, there are that, men, are men. Issue? I mean, really, you, you look at yeah. it and you think, well, who wants to follow that Jesus? Unless you read the Bible and you're like, I want to follow that Jesus well, that's in there. And I, and I want to say this before we go to break, because I don't want somebody listening just going, well, I'm okay, this is just a, this is just a, a, a venting session you know, a bunch of uh, among uh, you know old people who don't understand our generation. We want to get we we want to get to practical advice about what masculinity looks like, about what this means, and about what you as a parent really ought to be doing. I mean, our we have four children; they're all grown. Yours are almost grown. Yeah. So we do have a little bit of authority and expertise we here. We do. So let's talk about that when we come back. Stay tuned. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. The opinions expressed here do not reflect those of Democrats, atheists, Muslim radicals, environmentalists, globalists, socialists, the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, soccer fans, or men who eat quiche. But they should. Well, here we are back talking about manhood. And I think a woman's perspective is, is important. And yet at the same time, um, I think too many men have let women define masculinity. And I, I think of this as, as you put it, the, um, what did you call it? The Oprahization, the... Oprahfication. Oprahfication. Yes. You wanted to say Oprahization. <laughs> Oprahfication the of Oprahfication men. of men is a very real, a very real thing. Uh, masculinity at the end of the day is, you know, really is defined by God. It's, it's set, it's fixed in space and time forever. It is what it is. And uh, I don't think any of us, not women, not social engineer, not, uh, not the left, not even the men really get to redefine it because it That's is right. what it is. But what I don't want us to do is I don't want us to come off like those two old guys, you know, in the Muppets. Yes, yes. Who are, uh, yeah, I love it in a Christmas Carol, we, uh, um, a Muppet Christmas Carol, they, they reply to the speech, you know, right. it says, it was short, it was obvious. <laughs> it was dumb. <laughs> so we, we don't we don't want to no, be that where we're just beating down a um 
uh, younger generations. The rather, what I, I really want to do is to speak to that generation by saying, don't, don't let the culture define you. Amen. Don't let the culture define you. Don't be afraid, if you're a woman, to be feminine. Uh, and boy, did I learn when we adopted Sasha uh, because I came from a family of boys and we had all boys and then we bring her into the house. And by the way, Sasha had been, not been allowed to have anything feminine, like her head had been shaved more than once in the mm. orphanages because that's what they did when children had lice. Sometimes they did it as a punishment. And she'd not had anything like this. And the moment we bring that girl into our house, she's growing her hair down here. She wants pink. She wants Barbies. She wants makeup. She wants all that stuff. And that that was just in her. Yeah. It was just in her. Yeah. And we just thought, revel in it. Be as feminine as you as you want to be, and daddy will pay for it. But um, but I think a lot of people these days are fearful of being, you know, feminine or being masculine for fear of being, you know, uh, mocked. And so I want to say to say to those who are old enough, don't let the culture define you. Then I want to say to parents, you need to defy the culture on this stuff mm-hmm. because you have a God given responsibility, uh, um, parents, to raise women you know, who are, who are women and you need to raise your boys to be men. And I'm, I'm mindful of something. I have, I'm very grateful to have had a wise mother. When my father was away in, uh, in Vietnam, um, she said, you know, a mother can, can raise boys, but you need men to raise men. You need, you need men to make them men. And so she had, you know, our uncles, you know, engage with us. And my mother would joke and say things like this, you know, don't, don't be in the house, get outside, go find something and kill it. You know, it was, it was, it was a joke. <laughs> but her point was, I don't exactly know what masculinity is, but I know it when I see it. And I know that I want my boys to have that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, she buys footballs and, you know, all those kinds of things, skateboards, you know, whatever, just say, get out there and, you know, and enjoy all that. Your dad's not here, but you know what to do. It's just, it's just in you. I think that's incredibly important because I think the cultural pressure to cave is huge. Yes, it is. And I think one of the books as reference that Chris and Will have talked through, and I know many fathers and sons have, is not just the word, but... Uh, John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart, is, I think, very instructive. You know, I haven't read it, but I've heard good things about it. Especially for this generation. And these are the things that, Chris, I heard him mention more than once, is for men. And it is important to talk about because men are vital to culture. Without men, there isn't culture. And the enemy is here to divide, devour, and destroy, and that is to take away the very thing that God made Mm -hmm. you to be. That's why this is such an important discussion. And I agree wholeheartedly that the young men do not need to shrink back from who they are or apologize one bit. That's demonic. Yeah. Um, In his book, John talks about four things, that every man has a battle to fight, they have an adventure to live, they have a beauty to rescue, And it talks about the beauty that they're rescuing in the feminine heart. But that battle to fight is for you, young men, and men alike, to find whatever that is. And that's the skills and the talents that God's given you 
to use, not the, you can be anything you want, but whatever skills and talents God's given you, exploit those, use those and go on your battle and go find it and fight it. And this idea of journey is must be so alluring because I've heard them talk about it a lot. Uh, for women, we are on a different journey. We're not on your journey, but we're attracted to men who are on one. And we know that in some ways, and this may sound so not feminist, we want to be rescued. Yeah. Not that we're lacking, but that that is that beautiful thing that God puts in the heart of women. But women are very attracted to masculinity. And I think that's also what's missing is realizing that that deep calls to deep and that femininity is attracted to the masculinity. Well, the interplay between the sexes is important. Yeah, it's it's real. real. It's important and it's beautiful and it cannot be diminished and we have to fight for it. Well, and if if I could say this in reverse, I often say to... I I didn't say this when I was younger because I wasn't yet wise enough to do this, but I may be a typical man in saying that I'm impatient. So I'm that guy in the car... You know who's honking the horn? You know, like like Lori, come on! You know, <laughs> uh, you know, early on, and uh, and now I'll find myself saying to um, to younger men, you know, you complain about how much you know she spends on makeup or on clothes or how long she takes to get ready, but trust me, you're the beneficiary of that. Mm-hmm. Right? You're the beneficiary of that. Allow her that because, I mean, don't you want her to look good? Aren't you a little proud of her when she's on your arm and she's looking like a million bucks? And at the end of the day, you want her to be feminine. And so maybe I'm a little different than Chris in this regard in that I don't want to go on that right. shopping trip. I don't want to go on that journey oh, they're with rare. you. They're rare shopping yeah, trips. So I, when they are, I hit the jackpot. I'm Because I'm, I'm going to be that guy sitting you know, on the mall sofa you know, who looks like <laughs> yeah. he's been shot with a tranquilizer gun. <laughs> but but I, I don't want to be a part of that. But just as I was saying about Sasha earlier, indulge that. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy. Lori, buy a new dress. Yes, yes. And, and you can ask my opinion on it. I don't want to go, but you could send me a snapshot. Uh, because I do want right. that. Because, and, and it goes beyond, you know, just into the broader culture. I mean, men like the feminine. Yeah. Men, and I don't mean for ourselves. I right. mean that that men appreciate femininity because it's it's important to the broader culture. Let me say something very quickly about what toxic masculinity is, because we really didn't get into this. Real toxic masculinity is transgenderism. It It is homosexuality. That is masculinity that is warped and has gone off the rails. That's real toxic masculinity. Also real toxic masculinity are those boys who lacking father figures... Um, they often end up modeling themselves after men they see as uh, as sexually desirable, as strong, as uh, as respected, and that could be a hip hop artist, a rapper, an athlete, um, a movie star, mm-hmm. and where they begin to take on uh, a kind of a warped view of what it means to be a man, and so they 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 become kind of brutish because they think that's what people right. will respect and they they want to be respected often they're people in my experience I'm not off, uh, offering support of data here I'm just saying in my experience a lot of those guys are guys who were were um bullied yeah and so they always you know when they were younger they envisioned themselves as a superhero when they got older it got slightly more sophisticated and you know maybe a jason statham Mm -hmm. you know kind Mm -hmm. of figure but that's toxic masculinity yeah wow that is um 
That's a lot to think about, but that's also a very great description, and I'm glad you got to that because that is the answer. Um, well, I hope that our audience has enjoyed our discussion today because I think it's a valuable one, and we haven't had one yet. Um, let us know what you think. Send us comments, um, ideas, thoughts, uh, but we sincerely hope you enjoyed our discussion today, not just of me being triggered by a face mask <laughs> uh, or the weather blinking our equipment on and off, but of discussing what masculinity is and what it isn't. Jesus is our model. Amen. And with that, we bid you adieu, and we will see you next time. Turn out the lights. The party's over. They say that all. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful for the standing ovation, but there will be no encore for today's performance. Please exit the building in an orderly fashion. Thank you. Honey, can we leave now? <laughs>